The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Very good. Nice to see everybody. It's, uh, we have a large crowd today, so it's quite nice. I hope nobody got flooded yesterday. So in, uh, online going okay? Everything good? Good, great, thanks. Yeah, training. So, um, Vasa has ended. That's my, my 11th Vasa, so it's been a month now, so officially 11 years. It's actually 11 years, it's going to 11th, so that's how we count, that's the, how senior you are in the, in the monastic tradition, how long you've been a, almost reborn into this. You get rebirth when you, you take a new name and you sort of, um, you take your robes on when you become a monk. And so now it's my 11th year being here in the monastic, yeah, monastic training. So it's quite interesting. It was, um, usually the, the rainy season, the Vasa period is quite quiet in the monastery this year. There wasn't a big difference for me. We're building the retreat center and um, as everybody knows, building industry is a bit in the shambles at the moment, and we're not exception. And uh, so, the building is buildings are coming. We're going to have a retreat center coming, and slowly, slowly. And I think it's all of this community here, and there will be others overseas and coming here and using our facilities. So it will be like for you as well. You can come to the monastery, um, deepen your practice. Um, like we do the monastics the same way we do. That's why we have the rains retreat to deepen our practice, to really study and meditate. And that's why we have a retreat center coming. So you can come to the Newbury, stay with us, stay in those new beautiful places. Once they will be built, they will be built, but they might be a bit delayed or they are already delayed. As a matter of fact, we should be done now. We should be there celebrating the Katina, pretty much there. But it didn't happen, so it doesn't matter. Things take time, that's its nature. The Buddha taught us anicca, the impermanence and unreliableness of this samsara. Nothing is in, under control. We have to remember that. Same was like, um, I was um, thinking, what should I talk about? And I, I really don't have a topic usually. And Ajahn Desarno just told me, what, what should I talk? So he's, he's the teacher now in the monastery. So I said, uh, he, just, he was just leaving. He, he was here yesterday. And he, he told me just to, before he left, Murita, why don't you talk about the um, saying you find out during the Vasa? That was, I find interesting saying, and in, uh, I was reading somewhere, and I, it struck me as quite interesting. There was a saying uh, that um, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. I I, it it struck me quite, quite um, that it's true. We don't see it, things objectively. We see things as we are through our own lenses, our own views. And I was here uh, during the Vasa when I gave my only talk here, where I, was, I gave the talk about Anathalakana Sutta, the, the Sutta of non-self. 
and it ties in quite nicely with that, that that even your perception, which is one of those things in the, in the khandas, your sanya, it's the Pali word. Sorry, my mouth seems to be between. Your perception is um, doesn't belong to you, but we think that the way we perceive the world, whatever it is in this world, that is objective. It is that's how it is, and it's it's quite interesting that even so, as a as a monk, we we see people who have sometimes they perceive things quite strangely. Some people actually have um, not just anxiety, but you, some people might have uh, paranoia, for example. And I wouldn't say that person with the paranoia would have a wrong perception. How can I say somebody comes to me and say they have paranoia that they are perceiving these things like we, really differently? really odd perceptions. You cannot really say it's wrong perception. It's a different kind of perception. But we all do that. We all perceive things in this world a certain way. We give values to different things. Uh, we really, um, for example, our family we really care about them and then something happens to our, uh, our closed ones, it really affects us strongly. Whether it's somebody sick, we really need, you know, try to help them or somebody dies, there's a really, the connection is there. We have a perception that they are part of us. And these days, obviously, it involves our pets, our dogs. And seems to be sometimes, we interesting enough, there's, Dogs been dying recently. We had two dogs died, and one got buried. One is going to get buried soon, and there's another one who's coming on the pipeline. I think is going to be buried in the monastery soon. It seems to be sometimes our pets are more important our, for us than our people grieve them more than uh, sometimes. I feel that families, people are like, oh yeah, grandma died. It was time but then the bed dies and it's people are really strike with struck with sorrow but so there's but again it's your perception your 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 bed became really important part of your life so there's no i you know how could we say that it's the you know that perception is wrong there's no wrong perception there's different kind of perceptions but always remember but there's nothing ultimately true true or truth um, in your perceptions and they don't belong to you it's it's hard to say hard to see it but once you start meditating you start actually seeing that not just uh, even in the beginning in your, your meditation career i remember i used to have these really weird perceptions like your body feels like it's floating up in the air uh, or you know like your body sort of um, moves about uh, you know you know you're sitting still but there is the body has these kind of weird movements whether they're true or not sometimes the body actually does move around but quite often they just like you have these weird perceptions because you're sitting still and the mind is not used to that 
it starts to expand or do these kind of weird things. Unfortunate thing is that they disappear. Once you keep meditating for a long time, they, I don't know why, but they always seem to disappear as a, the years go by as a meditator. So it's, so while you have them, enjoy them. They're fun. But there's nothing... People sometimes make a lot out of them. This thing happened. And as a teacher, he's like, yeah, yeah, I heard that before. It's quite common. But people perceive that, oh, it's, it's something, you know, something special is happening to me. And the same... Um, it's interesting that once the mind becomes calmer and there's this kind of you start seeing everything in more kindly eyes everything becomes sort of more beautiful when you keep it progressing in a meditation and obviously you don't have as much time as as monks and nuns but then that's why the retreat centers are important that you can come and deepen your practice spend more time just looking at what's happening in your mind. And when the mind becomes calmer, things start looking more beautiful. You, your cloudiness of the mind, your perception, you just sort of clarify your perceptions. And then that's another thing which is quite nice to be a monk, is that obviously because we don't use money and um, everything is offered, everything is you take care of us, we have a lot of perception of kindness and generosity comes towards our way. So it's for us, that's one of the reasons why it's very easy to meditate, actually. Because we are sort of recipients of your kindness. So you can, you can imagine how nice it is to be a monk and nun because we receive not just material goods. There's only so many towels and bars of soap or toothpaste we can use but we still receive all of those things because it brings your, gives you happiness, obviously. Yeah, that's why you give. That's why we, um, you support Buddhist society. That's why you give, Dana. Um, but it gives a, a tremendous happiness for us as well. So it's, in, so it's interesting. We can almost, I can perceive my perception in a sense that quite often it gets a bit bleak in the monastery as well. Days are blended into another. It's especially during the rains, rains retreat. You wake up in the morning, you meditate, go and have a little breakfast. You do your lunch, go back and meditate. This just becomes this. You don't know what day it is. You have no idea. Days blend into each other, and you f you tend to forget what we're we doing here. But once in a while, you just sort of like you realize. Wow, my perception, my it really seems to be very good today. Like the food tastes really nice. When you're happy, when your mind is calm, the happiness blends into anything. So even the ordinary food, which we pretty much get every day in the monastery, I mean, it's really nice food. I'm not saying that, but the food just it. It doesn't, especially because we don't move a lot. You you sort of lose your appetite a bit. But then once in a while, you you realize, huh? I think my meditation is going well. People ask quite often. They ask us, how do we know our meditation is good? You you know your meditation is good when you 
start perceiving things as, they, as if they were more beautiful. There's a certain kind of beauty arises in your, in your mind. And if, if your mindfulness is, have a bit of a, it's a little bit more strong, you realize that my perceptions have changed. Sometimes they really, they change really a lot. Like you can actually, um, Ajahn Brahm has this famous story that he, he was walking in, in Thailand and walking past the, where they're washing, the washing area. And he, all of a sudden he just saw this jet black towel. And he said, I've never seen a jet black towel in my whole life. It was it's really weird. And he just kept staring at the jet black towel. It's almost like, a, like it just absorbed all light. And he just kept staring at it. And then all of a sudden it changed back into color, into normal color. Just kind of quite ordinary. And he was just sort of struck like, what happened? Why? Why is my perception so different? So things like that can happen when you're meditating deeply. You perceive things really weirdly. But even in the beginning of meditation, you're, once in a while you see something almost like glimmer. You see something in the sky which is, ah, I must have done that correctly. So it doesn't mean, you know, just meditation, but if you have a good attitude, if you come from a place of kindness, it changes your perception. It's not, quite often we, normal life, we concentrate on the, we want something to succeed. Whatever we do in life, this project needs to be success. It has to be, and we, concentrate on how things are going to turn out and we try to control it whereas the more more important part should be what are we doing at the moment so we try and let's try to change that and i've working on it as myself and i've noticed that i've get better and better at it whereas i don't really think about too much the future this is how it should be. And it causes you a lot of stress. Enjoy what you're doing now. And it doesn't just mean work. It also means your health or your sickness. Just appreciate your body as it is. Enjoy your sickness. If you, um, if you don't try to push things away, if you don't live in the future, so to, so to speak, we can take a lot more than what we think we can take. I have a friend of mine who just, um, who's got a tremendous health issues, and he's just said, I just, I just start getting anxious about it, and I, I don't know how much I can take. And I said, look, hold on a little bit. Think about how you have it now. Can you take it? And if you really bring your attention to your body or mind, how it is now, you realize, yeah, I can take this. It's quite bad, but it's, if you don't think about the future or make predictions about the future, or how it's going to be, get worse, there's actually a lot of we can take. And it actually makes it a lot, lot easier. So we... Don't 
live too much in the future. There's this big, you know, like, oh, live in the present moment. What does that even mean? It means these things like health, for example. It's a very concrete thing. We, a lot of us, we have health issues and, you know, we start thinking about it. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah, perhaps it will. But can you take it now? This is important. We aren't dealing it with more now than what's going to happen in the future. And then if you perceive the world that way, then a lot of things become a lot, lot actually easier to take. There are your perceptions change. Yeah, I can take this. I can actually live with this. So it's, that's one, one of the things like um, we, we don't truly see things as they are. We see how we are. So whether it's yourself, you are, you're jumping in conclusions. There's another, I was listening to this one uh, podcast and this um, um, uh, quite a famous scientist, I just don't recall her, what, what she um, studies, but it's um, something to do with your, the, how the psyche and the body goes together. And she was saying that her, um, she's got a lot of um, anxiety herself and she's social anxiety. She doesn't want to um, uh, really talk to people she doesn't know or be in front of other people. And she always assumed that her anxiety came from her childhood. She had this strong view. She knows, obviously, she, like my family's like this or something. She said, I think it came from her father. She had this explanation in her mind. I know I am this because of those things happen. So she swore when she was a um, girl that, you know, when I have children, I will take care of my children so they don't have these anxieties producing things like what happened to me. My father uh, was like this and that produced anxiety in my life. I'm an anxious person because of this. So she had, now she has two teenage daughters and she said, I can see anxiety in my two teenage daughters. The same way she's got anxiety. And she put all the best efforts of uh, being a good mother and, you know, caring, listening to their daughters and make sure that they wouldn't have those kind of things what she had to go through in her life. Yet the daughters have anxiety. We make up stories even of our own minds. I am this because these things happen. But do you, is your perception right? How do you know? How do you know if your anxiety is produced of those things? You make up this story and you firmly believe into that story and that becomes you. But is it true? Is there truth into it, in that ultimately? No, there's not. It's not. It doesn't work that way. But we have these preconceived perceptions that that's how it is, and it becomes you. So that's why, like I was teaching the um, the characteristics of non-self, the Anatalakana Sutta, the year a couple of weeks ago. That's why perceptions. You you just sort of we have these little. 
um, or we have the Buddhist teaching and we can take any little snippet from all of these suttas, like for example, the Anathalakana Sutta, where you exist. And they, when you look at it, when you truly, sometimes we say contemplate, but you know, like you just sort of rest on it, you meditate and let these things sink in. And you just, you start seeing that this, it's like a mirage. That's what the Buddha said about your perceptions. Perception is like the, um, yeah, the, the simile of the perception is the mirage where you see somewhere something which is, you, for sure you see it. The per, your perception is right. That's a mirage. Like you go to a desert and you see the water simmering there. Is it, you cannot say it's not there. You cannot say it's, I come to you and say, no, that's not, you know, you, your perception is wrong. No, it's not wrong. Mirage means it's, it's there, but you perceive it wrongly or differently how it is when you actually get there. That's what mirage is. It's not right or wrong. It's just different kind of perception. And it's same about yourself. We perceive things as we are, but we also perceive things ourselves as we are. We sort of backtrack from this moment and we see through the lenses what we are now, what happened, for example, in the childhood or what happened during some events in our lives. And we make up a story out of that and that in your eyes, your perception is the truth. But there's no ultimate truth in there. Obviously, the big things are for like what makes you is yeah, perception is it's a bit difficult. Um, but since I was given this topic, I have to keep talking about it. But mostly, actually, <laughs> you you um, we live in uh, Sankaras would be we live in these choices we make. So that's what really actually big thing for you is your will. Um, your which is again, I'd like to give a simile where where what will means, what volition, what sankara, what choices. Actually, sometimes they translate as choices. We think we made these choices, but they don't. They're not your choices, really. They're just cause and conditions. And the best simile for that I can give you is um, it's almost like doors. You have three doors, whatever your choice you have. You have to choose out of three doors. And from those three doors, you go to different room. And we almost choose all of our lives. We think we have all these decisions to make. And we go from um, room to room. We open one door. We don't really know what's going to be there, but we predict... If I choose this door, I go to that room, and that's how it's going to be when I live there. When you go to that room, again, there's going to be three doors. The next, the next choice is coming, and the next choice. And so all of these doors multiply and multiply. It becomes exponentially more difficult to backtrack what happened. Yet, same way, we think 
that if I would have chosen one of those doors, this would have happened. But it, it's expen- it's multiplying so much all of these things that we in this room now, this is your life at this moment you're living. You cannot backtrack. There's no way because it's exponentially more and more difficult to go backwards. But yet we think that if I would have taken choice, chosen the door number three instead of one, you can somehow go back and then the things to, would be differently. You think that there is going to be these choices make us happy. We think that if we our will would be smarter, our yeah, if our will would be smarter, if I would meditate more, if I would be mindful more, I would be more aware and I would make better choices. It's a, one of those traps where experienced experience meditators can fall into it. You think you can become smarter by meditating. Don't think that. That's one thing where you can actually start seeing that it's when you're meditating long enough. We are just absolutely out of control. Well, I'm out of control. My mind is out of control. My will, my choices are just out of control. It's these doors, they don't have any labels really. I'm just going through life, just walking through doors and thinking, I don't like this how it is. Oh, this is really good. Oh, I was really smart. I made the right choice. But it goes back into that idea of whatever, wherever you are, this is good enough. This is the best place you have at this moment. There wouldn't be any other way. There's no way of thinking you could have chosen smartly in the past. Or there's no other way of thinking that you will be somehow better if you choose differently of all of these multiple doors to go through in life. So don't think meditation makes your life ultimately happier. That's not what we hear. We don't, we don't try to make ultimate choices in life. We don't try to make ourselves happy. What we're changing is actually our perceptions. You look things differently. You start seeing things that this is good enough. And that is part of why it's important to be mindful and meditating. We, in that sense, the perception still doesn't belong to you. Somebody had to taught you these things. And you don't change the circumstances, your karma, um, but you change, you change the way you perceive it. So in that sense, what changes when you meditate? We don't, th- we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. We see things differently because our perceptions are different. It's the same kind of life. Life is the same. But we realize that then um, 
we can look look into the more beautiful part of that uh, of that life we have. The cake is there. The ingredients, let's say, the ingredients are there, but we make the cake. There's no in, there's no other ingredients any any better in life, and this is the ingredients we were given. And it doesn't come from your parents. It doesn't come from the society. It doesn't come. It comes from your own karma, your karma. And you make the cake out of that karmic past. It doesn't belong to you, and there's not much you can do about it. Perhaps you can notch it a little bit. Sometimes we say that. But then, um, but you, every moment when you start thinking, this is, this is not how it should be, pull yourself back a little bit and say, well, maybe it shouldn't be like this, but it is. I can, can you take it now? This is sad, but can you take it now? Dogs die, can you take it now? People get sick, people get old, but can you take it at this moment? Not in the future, we don't, when you're in the future, perhaps it might get really, really difficult. But if you bring yourself back he here in this moment, you can take it. We can take a lot. So, there's a lot in Buddhism where people say, you know, like, um, people say, um, sometimes we concentrate too much on the negativity. And that's why I, perception is actually quite nice, because perceptions give you an indication, nice indication that you are going the right path because you are a happier person. I've met a lot of uh, forest monks, whether in Thailand uh, and uh, mostly in Thailand, the forest monks. I've lived with Ajahn Brahm, obviously, for many years. And you, when you meet these beings who are really good medita meditation and they, they're on the path, like really on the path, they're very light people. There's just, people perceive sometimes perhaps, the, you know, the monks are serious and all that, and sometimes we, the tradition is there that you have to be quite serious in front of others. But when you meet them, sort of in the backstage, you go and it's just talking, choking around. It's just like a really goofing around with a lot of monks. And sometimes it's quite, it's interesting. So because their perceptions are very light, they're very, very light people. They're very kind, and there's just this jovial kind of um, kindness with um, really on the people on the path. And, you know, the Buddhist teaching is that everything is suffering. You would think that these people are very miserable people. Everything is suffering. No, the thing is that their perceptions are so much kinder. The same with, the, you know, like uh, with Buddha. And the Buddha was teaching, obviously, the, the, the suffering and how everything is suffering. But they said Buddha had a lot of compassion. There was this, you can just imagine there's like the most compassionate person there. And for me, it's, uh, sometimes you, you sort of um, you need a bit of a story to that. But then uh, there's like, for example, that story of the Bodhisattva. We don't have the Bodhisattva statue here, but the Buddha was tormenting. He was before he was the Buddha, you know, he was a Bodhisattva. 
and he was really um, tormenting himself. There's this uh, where he used to stay in the sun all day and in a, uh, lying naked in a, uh, and outside all night. And really, you know, I was starving himself and that to. He he fainted at the end. He was just really his uh, hair was coming off and all that. And people, somebody asked, "Did you ever have hatred when you were towards your body when you were tormenting yourself?" And the and the by that time he was uh, the Buddha. He said, "I never saw hatred in my mind." So it's, sometimes when we we have actually most of the people have a lot of. Anxiety. We have a lot of almost hatred, almost this kind of like I don't like my body type of um, thing towards our own bodies. But even bigger than that, we have hate, not even love-hate relationship. We have this this maybe not disinterest, but really dislike towards our own mind we don't like our own minds and that's how your perception is and that it's almost self-fulfilling thing how life then becomes you don't accept yourself as it is obviously we we try to be kind person we try to be kind and uh, caring person But it starts from your perception. If you perceive yourself, I'm actually okay. I'm kind person. I'm. You don't have to be the most, be the happiest person in the world. That's not what we. What are we aiming? But if you perceive yourself, I'm okay. I'm good enough. My mind is good enough. I have these perceptions from the past but even those I can be at ease with I have done things perhaps in the past which are blameworthy but it's not your fault either and you perceive them perhaps more strongly that you should be perceiving them so change the perception even towards yourself don't have um Yeah, what can you, you know, this, that's the same thing. We don't really try to change change ourselves. This is not what we're here for. You have very, like, like, like go back to the um, the story about the lady who had anxiety. You have these deep ingrained things and you tend, we may tend to make stories out of that. And this is how how it is because of those things. And quite often we have this kind of explanation from the childhood. Be kind towards those perceptions. They are there. They're not wrong per se. They're not right or wrong. They're just perceptions. It's like a movie and a movie set when you have the screen and you look at them. Have a little bit of distance to those perceptions and be kind towards that. And then life becomes lighter to live. So, I guess that's my talk today on perceptions. I don't know what else to, I'm, what else to say, but uh, it's interesting. Yeah, perceptions are a big thing, and 
I thought it was a nice saying from this Vasa that we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. And that's my talk about perceptions. And now we call for the Q&A. And today I'm asking questions and everybody else can answer. <laughs> okay. Should we start with online? Uh, yeah, that's fine. No, nothing online yet. They come might come later. Is there anybody has any questions? Yes. Welcome back from your retreat. Thank you. Very good. Thank you for the talk. Always. Um, okay, so events happen in someone's childhood. Yep. They make a story out of it. They then believe that's who they are mm -hmm. because of the perception and their future behaviour is based upon that perception. Is that correct? Would you agree with that? Uh, that yeah, yeah, so you're making up your future yeah. Yeah, all the time like that. Yeah. And so it continues to generate the yep. perception yep. because of the story in the yeah, head. So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophe prophecy. Yeah. yeah. So some of the... And okay, you say have have kindness towards the perceptions. But some of those stories that people have in their heads are pretty strong. Yeah. And so how do you how do you dissolve those perceptions? Like how can you really yeah. set your mind to dissolving them? Well, the, yeah, thanks for that question. Yep. Um, the, the, the only thing really is to just keep sort of stepping back a little bit, a little bit, a little bit from those and just keep adding kindness towards that. So to be all, in all honesty, that's the only thing we can really do. We, we, there's no really, until you have a really deep meditation experience, like um, Nimitz or even if you go jhanas, you go really past your body and mind then in jhanas even that's when you really only step because then you can you step outside of the Ajahn Brahma's the simile of the the tadpole and the, and the frog when the tadpole's in swimming in the water you never know what's not water because you're in the water you're in your world you don't know what's outside of your world only the only time when the the tadpole crawls into the frog and jumps out you can realize that was water. Until then, we sort of just adding a little bit of uh, Band-Aid on the wound, but that's the best we can do. But so we sort of perhaps adding a little bit of sugar into the, adding a little bit of sweetness into it. But that's, I mean, that's really, I would say realistically with to um, the best, most maybe most practical thing is that when you have those things and you're looping your head, you're looping in your head about these are my, this is our like um, your perceptions. You're looping in this world of yours. Stop. And what that means is bring your perception, perhaps, or your attention to your body. 
you sort of have to, you have to bring and that's why like in meditation we bring our attention to something whether it's your breath or you you can do your body scanning on those things quite often you can just we in this little world of ours and we it's difficult to be outside of that it's difficult to even imagine what it means to be that the frog outside of the water but to actually to sell you stop 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 I'm playing this movie and I'm believing it. Stop believing in that movie. You can just stop. Even if it means two minutes sitting and feel what it feels in your body. That is actually stopping for a while. And you just sort of look around. What was that about? Like, who, who is this? What, is, what are these stories again? And hopefully you become a bit more skilled with those kind of things. And you're, whatever comes to your, people, you know, different people have different anxieties or, like you said, stories from the childhood and making, making up these things. And we perceive them as truth. If you just don't give them so much value, see them as a, just a perception, but there is not, you don't have to own it. It's, it doesn't really, you making up a story which might not, perhaps it's, it's not really true. That's, a, that's what it is. It's just a perception. See it as a passenger vibe. See it as a, like from the window of the bus where the, these are the scenery. Have a, have a distance to your perceptions. But... Yeah, kindness really is a big thing. Change your perception towards that. Add, you know, kind of, oh, yep, yep, I can see that. It's coming, it's creating this sadness again and then, you know, into your, in your mind. So add kindness towards that. That really is the best thing to do. And try to see what, what, what is around us. This is where we are now. This is the room we're in. Okay, this is the moment. It's as good as any. There's no no other way. So it it was quite interesting. That's what I thought. I took the story of um, of Annika, who said the story. The scientist who's got the two daughters. That the daughters had anxiety, even though she was trying, you know. And she's a really kind person. I've listened to her other talks, and and that the the daughters still had anxiety, and she was trying to do the best that they wouldn't have have any of those things and yet they still ended up being like that so maybe it's part of your biology yeah a lot of our brains are in our stomach we have a lot of nerve endings in our stomach and if your stomach is upset you're anxious anxious. that's when we think there's something subjective about being anxious must be something in truth but it's actually your stomach playing up and I Personally, I'm quite aware that I have stomach problems, but uh, that's how it happens. We sometimes, we make up stories and uh, we think they're true. Anything online? I do have a question from online. Thank you, Ajahn. Um, Rick from Indiana asks, Ajahn, how do we apply this teaching when there has been real trauma that is impacting the present? Thank you. Yeah, well, I was trying to go back to but the... Uh, the traumas, it's difficult to, because um, we tend to play up those stories over and over again, and the traumas 
pop up in that. But okay, meditate. That's the best thing you can do. The worst thing is to stop meditating. Um, the um, the like the deep traumas. There is they. I think the best thing still to do is to say, "Can I take it now?" Okay, it's it's bad, and the trauma is there, and it has happened, and there is no denying it. But can I take it now? And where is it perhaps in your body? Sometimes we lock these traumas, and sometimes um, we've seen things as a monk and um, where people have cancers in certain places, and they cannot, because they cannot express it. For example, we had a we had um, our, one of our concreters in in a monastery in Western Australia, and her they had their really I think there was really a child which they hoped for a long time, and uh, unfortunately the, the 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 son then got into the drugs, and there was the I could see that the the father was really suffering, and he couldn't express it. He was really one of these tradies, tough tough concreter. He could not express it. There was there was this tremendous sadness in the in the father, and then the son died. He though he was about twenty something. It was really he was really trying to do anything, everything for the son. And the, we could see sometimes the son comes to the work site to help help in the monastery. And it was a uh, the father was really trying to almost like come on, just get on with it. Just we'll we'll and um, but he he just wouldn't he didn't have that and then he just kept going deeper and then he got into car accident while he was on drugs and then not long after that the the father had a, a tongue cancer if I remember correctly it was in the mouth I think it was tongue. Sometimes you feel like sometimes this cancer is almost like it's expression of that frustration that thing that he could not say put it out loud how frustrated he was and it was expresses itself as a cancer maybe sometimes i've you know oppressed cancer in uh, and women you feel it in your in your chest and it might produce a cancer in your body so we have to see what what there's like indications in our body sometimes what happens in our mind and it's actually bodies indicates quite often we have certain kind of tensions very often in the same places whether they're in your jaw or neck or your chest you carry these pains in your and add kindness towards add the loving kindness whether it's that big trauma where this person had from the online they express themselves in a certain places in your body so physically learn where they are in your body where they express and then actually just touch that place, you know, whether it, you know, you're on your bed going to sleep and you have the anxiety, just, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And it just gets easier to live with that thing. The anxiety is there, but it's not as bad. You just have to perceive, persevere with it for a while. But that's actually 
you're physically doing kind, you're being kind towards your body. See it where it's in your body. See where it ex expresses itself. Don't carry it around because it, who knows, might cause cancer or other things in your, uh, in your body, problems in your chest or in the stomach. So, in that, that way, learn them. They are there, but you learn from it. If you push it away, it won't never get better. Very good. Anything else? Should we take a question from the audience? Anyone? Yeah, thanks. That's good. We know you. Very knowledgeable. Uh, each individual uh, in the bond creates uh, impression from the... Each one has his own impression of the universe. Okay. By, by using your sense organs from the day you are born, you create an impression of the universe. Every time uh, you create impressions, uh, you create impression about yourself. Yeah. Once you create outside, same time you create yourself. The body we have is actually uh, belongs to nature, it's a biological unit. Mm. But your view of self is really the impressions you have made from the time you are born, uh, and some are necessary for survive, survival, some are based on me, mine, and myself, and those are the impressions. They vary from person to person, and uh, and you can say, as you said, it's a well, it's a it's a illusion. It's a it's not uh, maybe it's maybe a mirage, see, but it's not quite right. Yeah, as uh, Einstein says that. If somebody is a man of science, he says that if somebody see you one as a separate unit in the universe, it's an illusion. So since all illusions and delusions, we learn to live with it. But uh, there are illnesses that come from these abnormal thought processes, uh, because psychosis. I mm -hmm. mean, if you uh, these ideas, as you say, there's a mirage. It's an idea. It's not true. But some of those things go beyond the ability, one's ability to handle. Like, uh, mm -hmm. say, if you are sick, you say that your neighbor is fit to poison you all the time. Or somebody's telling you, you are the ugliest man I've ever seen, I'm going to kill you. So these ideas really trouble people. Mm. These are also created in the mind. Yep. That's pathological. But those yep. things can be treated with medication. Yep. You can give, it's Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You can treat yep. this psychosis. Yep. So... But there is no meditation, medication to uh, get rid of this idea of self. Separate self. <laughs> so, Me maybe meditation is the medication. <laughs> that's right. There's no, no medication. Maybe medication. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's a meditation that will help you to get rid of this. Yeah. We was separate self. Yeah. But when it gets abnormal, there's medication. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very interesting because uh, it's, it's a, the reality from madness is a fine line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Dr. Chaya. Um, it is true. I mean, there is medication, obviously, and I would never say that don't take medication. You know, you're, you're, uh, you're perceiving these things that is like which none of us we perceive. And so there's, you know, like, okay, go and see a psychiatrist and see if you can. It is interesting where... <sighs> People think that we have this like ultimate soul, which is unchangeable, this and that. But like you said, it's illusion. It is a made-up thing. Um, so 
if there's something wrong, perhaps I'm not sure. I believe into the thing sometimes that they we're missing something in our brain chemistry, and then because of that, we you know things are not right. I'm not, but medication helps. How it helps, we don't really know, and nobody really knows how it helps. But the um, yeah, it's a. I like the idea that it's we our body belongs to nature, but our mind also belongs to the nature. There is sort of this just we make things out of our mind, we perceive it as a certain way, and as if there's ultimate reality there. And we can somehow cure our minds. You know, obviously, pathological. If, you know, there's problems, you know, uh, problems in your mind, which, you know, which are in a sense that, okay, that's, you could be a lot better if you see psychiatrists, you take a medication. But a sort of normal everyday, day-to-day life, we're still living in this kind of similar kind of perceptions. They might not be as strong, but are they true? Are they, is there anything more true in our perceptions than your neighbor's perceptions, which, you know, might be quite different, whether, um, how we see the universe. Yeah. I don't know. I, was, I, I seem to be going in in circles, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. It was. It's obviously true. It's nothing, but it's nothing ultimately true somewhere. The way we perceive things. Okay, let's take a short one so we can go for the lunch. Thank you, Ajahn. Um, there's an online question, Ajahn. I have a terrible anxiety to go for an endoscopy. Please provide some guidance how to address this. Even thinking of it gives my heart racing and I had to cancel it once due to anxiety. The anxiety also creates a cascade of physical manifestation in the body. Yeah. Well, it can't be that bad. I've done it a few times. <laughs> uh, I, I think the, the, I think it starts somewhere. You, you, you have to sort of um, acknowledge you have it. And, and, I think it starts from there. If you actually acknowledge, yep, this is happening. Can I take it right now? It's going to happen tomorrow, so you start worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Wor- you know, just see at this moment how it is. You see the nervousness come into your mind. You s- be with that nervousness, nervousness, the, uh, the perception of being nervous. Just see how it, you feel with that. See what it feels in your body. See how how you can perhaps how you can make make change it in a sense that how you if you perceive it differently, can you look at it with kindness? That nervousness is there. Like nobody can tell you it's it's not there and. You don't worry anything, and it was like as if that's going to take it away. Be that kind of person that you would like to somebody else to be towards you. That somebody who holds your hand. Be that towards yourself. I think, you know, you then, I don't perhaps have the right thing to tell you, but if you, you know what's the best for you, and you be that person to you. 
Be that person who holds your hand, who tells you the right things. Do that to yourself. And then that perception perhaps is it's easier to take at that moment. And you know, you go from moment to moment. Yeah, anxiety is that difficult and they seem to be there and I know people sometimes have to cancel this. But the, you know, it's important to do that thing. Don't don't cancel it. Try to, you know, be brave. You can do it. A lot of people have done it and nothing happens, so but be kind towards yourself. Okay, so we're going for the communal lunch, so no more time for anything. But it was so nice to see everybody, so many people here today. So I perceive you kindly. <laughs> Very good. We pay respect to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha.